Hey there, you are on Atypical Parenting, the podcast where we hang out and find a little bit of support because doing what we're doing, raising kids on the autistic spectrum or having people in our lives, adult children maybe, or even spouses on the spectrum, sometimes it's hard and it helps to have a community around. So that's us. We're here. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about caregiver burnout. I don't know why I say us and we because it's ridiculous as I'm sitting here in my little makeshift studio all by myself with uh, the dog, me and the dog, we're hanging out. But you all know what I'm saying. When I say we, I mean I. Thanks for hanging out with me because I need you guys as much as you need some support too that I hope the podcast provides for you. So today we're going to talk about caregiver burnout as it relates to parenting someone in the autism community. All parents and caregivers need regular self-care. And so today we're going to talk about self-care and how that relates. We're going to talk about why we need it. We're going to talk about what it is. And we're going to talk about how the heck do we do that for ourselves. And not only how do we do it, but how do we fit it in or motivate ourselves. Because sometimes it's hard to just get through the gosh darn day. Do you like that? I'm trying not to swear. (laughs) So, all right. So let's start. Parents. And caregivers, you know, we need support, right? Like doing that, caring for somebody else, the stress of caring for another human is an awful lot. And when you're caring for a child on the autistic spectrum and you have to deal with things like um, providing them constant emotional and sometimes physical assistance when they are so easily dysregulated and, you know, things can get chaotic really quickly and it's hard when we have to be on our game all the time and uh, I'm assuming that you are on your game all the time but I know that as a parent I was not on my game all the time and there were plenty of times where my game was a total shit show so I can relate to this when I'm telling you about taking care of yourself the demands of this kind of parenting become overwhelming and as a parent you can get really easily overwhelmed and exhausted because caring for a child like I said just being a parent alone it's tiring it's hard it's 24 7 it's non-stop but when you add in additional stressors like I said before like a child who's easily dysregulated like having constant anxiety yourself about your child's future or about your child's education or about your child's physical problems etc 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 or when you add in the fact that People in your life are judgmental sometimes. Even people who care about you and are well-meaning. They criticize you or they criticize your child. And that is so hard to deal with. So those are all like added stressors for people who are raising children with autism that regular, regular, (laughs) regular parents don't have to deal with. That's why self-care is super important. Because without self-care, it is inevitable that you are going to experience burnout. You know, talking about parenting and and just raising children in general, I think, you know, because as humans we are social creatures, I think raising children is inherently designed to be done within a community. And historically in the U.S. anyway, that community was oftentimes your extended family. But now the way that we're living our lives, you know, people's extended families don't live near them. And if they do, they don't 
often have the ability to help because they're trying to survive on their own and they're working and, and you know, have their own health problems. There's a variety of reasons that we don't have the kind of support that we used to have. And neighborhoods, like, you know, back in the day, neighbors used to come to my house when I was a kid for dinner, right? Like my mother would say, oh, you know, such and such, Bob and Jane are coming down for dinner tonight. And it would be so exciting because it's a, uh, something different in the house going on, you know, but honestly, like, I don't even know my neighbor's names. Like a couple of them I know, but I don't invite them for dinner. I don't call them when I have a problem. They don't help me with my personal stressors. So the community that we have these days is, looks very different than what we had in uh, generations past. And so that adds on another layer of why caregiver burnout is such a problem. And assuming you do have a community, like maybe you do have some close friends or some family members, but when you have a child with autism, you often have to minimize sensory stimulation. So you can't hang out at those big backyard barbecues where the fire's going and, and everybody's, you know, drinking and the music is playing. You know, you need to minimize sensory stimulation. You cannot always take them out to the places where other people want to hang out, even if that sometimes means their houses, because you can't also take them to new places all the time because kids with autism, they struggle with change. They struggle with overstimulation. They struggle with meeting new people. They struggle with a lot of things that parents of neurotypical kids take for granted. And because of that, the outcome for the parents, when you have to kind of help your child deal with their own struggles by keeping yourself kind of isolated from the community, like that is going to affect you as a parent. And it leads to a feeling of being alone and having no support. Parents are left isolated and they are really out there struggling to maintain their own well-being. And really that leads to the topic that we're talking about, which is burnout. Burnout is a phrase that we heard a lot over the course of the pandemic as it related to healthcare providers. We all saw the healthcare providers who were working long hours, they were away from their families, they were working days on end without any breaks, they were exhausted, they were dealing with a deadly disease at the time that we were all anxious about and didn't know much about. And we felt bad for those people, as we should have. They deserved our empathy. But when you think about an autistic parent, who's dealing with the kind of stressors that you guys deal with on the daily, you don't get a break. You don't get a reprieve after six months or a year like we have with COVID. You are going to be dealing with this probably for the rest of your life. And that's hard. And it's no wonder that you have burnout because not only are you dealing with it, but people don't have a clue. And so, you know, people were standing on balconies and applauding for healthcare workers. There ain't nobody applauding for you. There ain't nobody applauding for me. It just is what it is. Not only are they not applauding, but like I said before, they're often criticizing. And so it's no wonder, again, that we get burned out. What do we do? How do we do it? Parents, we can't change the diagnosis. We can't change the fact that our child is awesome and wonderful in so many ways and that they also struggle with all of these things that make life a little harder for them and for us. But what we can do is figure out how to cope with it. And one of those ways that we cope 
must be with self-care. I just want to take a step back and talk a little bit more about burnout because I want to um, help you guys. <laughs> I'm going to go through this and you guys are going to either laugh or cry because so much of this is going to apply to you. And if you're wondering like, oh my God, am I burned out? Like, yeah, you probably are. But we're going to go through the signs anyway, the signs and symptoms, as we say in the medical community. One of the most common signs is mood swings. Your emotions might feel like a roller coaster. You might be angry and agitated. And you might feel that way out of nowhere, right? Like the day could be going perfectly fine and then the damn egg yolk breaks when you flip it and you're like ready to flip your lid. And that is like an example of a mood swing. Um, you know, maybe like things are going fine again and something happens that doesn't seem to relate to anything and it just makes you want to burst into tears. Those are mood swings. You might be feeling tired and run down if you're burned out. Maybe you have developed a weak immune system and you're always getting sick. Maybe you are just exhausted when you wake up in the morning after you've had eight hours to sleep. Maybe you feel like you can barely keep your eyes open in the afternoon. Maybe you just feel like, oh my God, I have no energy to get through this day ahead. How am I gonna do that? Another sign of caregiver burnout is social interaction difficulties. And so, uh, you know, even with if you're not burned out, I'm sure that you have this problem because you might avoid making plans. And when you have kids on the spectrum, it's a lot easier in some ways to stay home and keep them in their regular routine without all the stimulation and the change than it is to try to bring them out into social interactions. Or maybe you cancel plans that you do make. Like it just feels like some, it, it, you make plans because it seems like something you'd wanna do and then it comes the day and you're just like, oh, that's just way too much, too much. And so you cancel those plans. And you know, lastly, socially, when you think about burnout, it also presents itself in like an inability to enjoy things or anhedonia, as we say. Um, it's like the things that should make you happy, they just, meh, they're just there. They don't, they don't really do it anymore. You know, you might go out in a social situation and feel uncomfortable or just, you know, all you can think about is going home and putting your feet up. Um, or maybe you're out and you just... You can't be in the moment at all. You can't turn off the worry about your child or about what's going on in the family. Another symptom of burnout is finding yourself with a sense of losing your identity. And I experienced this, I don't know, I experienced this at times throughout my life, but I remember when my child, when my children were young, younger, they're adults now and they're amazing, but when they were younger, I remember thinking like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I have no idea what I like or what I want or what I need. And nobody else seems to care either. And that led me to a place where I ended up ending my marriage at the time. And was it my marriage? Probably, there were a lot of things wrong with the marriage, but you know, it was also this feeling of, losing my identity. So you need to 
think about that when you're thinking about self-care because that's a really important one and that's one that we often blame on extenuating circumstances or other people when it's really coming from inside ourselves. When you're burned out, you might struggle to complete basic necessary tasks for yourself. Like uh, maybe you're not getting in the shower as often as you used to. Or maybe you don't bother to put on any kind of makeup anymore. You know, nobody needs a full face of makeup, but it's nice to have a little lipstick and, you know, mascara or whatever. So uh, maybe you just are not eating a healthy diet. Maybe you're just eating whatever is in front of you or whatever's left over instead of planning your meals and thinking about your fruits and vegetables and your lean protein and all of those things that keep you healthy. Maybe you're not taking time to go to the doctor for yourself. Maybe you're not taking the time to make those necessary appointments like your annual checkups or your dentist visits. Another symptom of burnout is insomnia, which obviously means you can't sleep for shit. Uh, or maybe you just can't relax or rest when you have downtime. Like, do you put your feet up and still feel tense and just like you cannot settle down? You got to either keep moving or something bad's going to happen. You know, you have that sense of impending doom. Maybe you're just constantly thinking about your child and your mind is busy, busy, busy trying to solve this problem of autism that our society seems to create rather than embrace. That was a thing that I dealt with, you know, in the 2000s after my son was diagnosed. I spent so many years trying to fix and find the solution and keep everybody else happy, right? Like the teachers and the principals and the family members and everybody. I needed to keep everybody happy and I needed to fix my kids so that they could be happy too. And you know what? All my fixing all did was make me and my child more miserable than we started. So that's a side note. But if you are constantly thinking about your child and trying to solve this unsolvable quote problem, you know, that's a symptom of burnout. Once you're experiencing some level of burnout and it goes on for time, the longer it goes on, the more likely that you are to develop physical symptoms like headaches or stomach aches or fatigue or generalized body pain. And also you're much more likely to experience mental health symptoms that can turn into really serious mental health illnesses like an anxiety disorder or a clinical depression. And that's exactly why we need to take care of ourselves. That's why we need to recognize the symptoms of burnout and, and do the things for ourselves that's going to help minimize those symptoms. So why should we care? So what? You're burned out. You're a parent. That's what parents do. They get through the best they can. Well, no, to hell with that. That's ridiculous. Who wants to live life that way? Who wants to go through life just barely getting through your day? Absolutely not. I refuse to accept that. And I hope that you refuse to accept that too. Because as a caregiver, it's important for you to be healthy so that you can be mentally well and physically well. And you can have the mental and physical energy to take care of your family and your you know, deal with all of the things that you need to deal with as the mother or parent or father or whoever of a special needs child. Mostly though, as a caregiver, it's important for you to be healthy because when you bring 
health and vitality and joy into the world, into your family, that's going to affect everybody around you. And you deserve to be healthy and happy. You deserve it just as much as anyone else. So how do we get there? How do we take care of ourselves? Self-care. Okay, it's simple. I'm just going to end it here. All right, take care of yourselves. Da-da-da. It's easy, right? Well, you guys know it's not easy. It's super hard. Even when you know what to do, it's hard to do it. But self-care is really necessary. The thing that I have come to understand is that self-care must be intentional. I can have all of the hopes and dreams, all of the goals, all of the desires that I want when it comes to self-care, but I, unless I am doing it intentionally, it's not going to happen. So what do I mean by intentionally? I mean, you have to plan that shit just like you plan everything else in your world. You know, do you write out a grocery list and plan your meals for the week? Yes. If you don't, you're not going to have what you need on hand to make dinners. Do you plan out when you have to take your child to their therapy session and make sure that somebody's available to, to take them or to supervise it? Yes. If you didn't, it wouldn't happen. Self-care is exactly the same. You have to be intentional. The first step in figuring out how to take care of yourself is sitting down and figuring it out. Take time. Because as hard as it may be to take that time when you already are so busy, if you don't, you risk losing the ability to take care of your child. As hard as it may be to take time away from your busy schedule, from your family life, from your job, from all of the things that you are um, committed to in life, it's even harder to fall apart. Because if you experience caregiver burnout and you don't do anything about it, if it's not addressed, the outcome is going to be the exact opposite of everything you are striving for. Running yourself ragged in order to help your child or your family in the end, it's going to hurt you both because you're not going to be able to bring yourself to the table in the way that your child needs you to. You're not going to be able to be the kind of mom or dad or caregiver that you want to be. You're going to end up exhausted. And when you're exhausted, when you're burned out, your body and your brain don't know what to do other than shut down. And I know that some of you were raised by parents who were burned out and shut down. Maybe they were mentally ill. Maybe they were running on alcohol and cigarettes. Maybe they were working three jobs just to get by. Maybe they were suffering with their own anxiety and unable to cope. And those things caused them to shut down. That is not what we want to be for our kids. That is not who we want to be when it comes to taking care of our children, to advocating for our children, we don't want to be zoned out and shut down. And so the only way to combat that kind of stress is to step away. There's no way you're going to manage your stress unless you step away from it on the regular. And so not only do you need to manage your stress with self-care, but you need to mitigate some of the stress. You need to be proactive instead of reactive. You need to think about shit that you do in your life that is way too time consuming 
or way more than you have the capacity to deal with, or really, in the grand scheme of things, does not matter. That's taking up your time, energy, and resources, and it doesn't even matter. So we're gonna talk about that too. Self-care can look like anything that slows down your mind, relaxes your body, lowers your stress hormones, and that's gonna give your organ systems a break. Listen, these bodies, they're not infallible. They get broken, they run down, just like an engine or any other mechanical thing. If you don't take care of it, it's not gonna work for very long and it's not gonna work well, that's for sure. The definition of self-care is the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own health, well-being, and happiness. And honestly, that is gonna look different for everyone. It's easy to have a definition that's one line. Hey, this is self-care. But self-care is gonna be something totally different for every person who's listening to this podcast. I want you to remember that self-care isn't a reward. It shouldn't wait till you're on the verge of burnout. Like, oh, I've worked so hard. I've sacrificed myself and worked myself to the bone and I'm exhausted. And so I'm going to do some self-care. No, that's bullshit. You're going to use self-care every day as a prevention strategy. Because, like I said, if you don't, you're going to fall apart. And you cannot be who you want to be as a parent or caregiver if you are busy falling apart. What's the best self-care? That's a question that people ask me. Well, I don't know. What's the best self-care for you? What is some things that you enjoy doing that you're going to stick with? What are some things that you want to do? If I tell you what I do, you're going to be like, oh, God, that's great. I wish I could do that. No, gag me, right? Like <laughs> sitting on a chair and meditating and breathing, for me, is one of the best things that shuts down my mind. But other people I talk to, they're like, oh my God, that's horrifying. How can you even do that, right? So the best self-care is something that you are going to enjoy and something that you're gonna wanna do. It's also something that you reasonably are able to do. If you say, oh, I'm going to have this self-care plan I'm going to, you know, take two hours every day to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, like, no, you don't have that time. You know damn well you're too busy for that. That is never going to happen. So the best self-care, again, is something that you are able to do. I know that for me, it works best if you schedule your self-care. If you think about it as an appointment and, you know, if you have a calendar, write it in there, like figure out where are the blocks of time where I can fit in 10, 15, 30 minutes for some self-care and put it on the calendar. And you know what? Let everybody see the calendar and know like, hey, that's mom's time. This is when mom's gonna be taking care of herself. So I'm just going to give you some ideas, some inspiration for you to think about and to incorporate in the way that makes sense for you into your life. So let's just go through these one by one. I want you to think about making sure you get adequate rest because sleep is 
something that parents often sacrifice. So when you're thinking about sleep, you need to look at all of the sleep things. You need to think about getting yourself to bed on time, getting yourself up every day at the same time. You need to think about sleep hygiene, like is the room dark? Is your phone plugged in somewhere away from the head of your bed? Is the phone on, on do not disturb or whatever setting? Um, sleep hygiene, think about that and incorporate it into your life. The TV, oh my God, if you people are watching TV as you're falling asleep, forget it. Your sleep is never gonna be good. So knock that off, because that's really, really bad for your sleep. When you're thinking about adequate rest, it doesn't always have to be sleep. It could really, literally just be putting your feet up and doing nothing for a period of time. Seriously, schedule nothing. Schedule a block of nothing into your calendar. And then, this is what I love to do. It makes me feel so much better about myself when I do nothing. I write it on my to-do list, 10 minutes of nothing, and then I check it off after I do it. So I feel like I did nothing. I accomplished something by doing nothing. Ridiculous. But it helps me to just reframe it in my mind and stick to it. Set aside times to engage in things that relax you and improve your mood because even 10 minutes of like reading or doing something creative can make a big difference. So look at your calendar, look at your day. Do you have 10 minutes? Can you do something you like? Can you keep a trashy, easy to read novel in your car? And when you pull into the driveway or the garage after work, can you just sit in your car for 10 minutes and read like that? That's good. That's rest. That's relaxation. That's something that's going to use your mind in a way that's different than it's usually used and that's going to help. Another idea is to keep a gratitude journal. A gratitude journal is one of the simplest ways to shift your mindset and to improve your quality of life. People who keep a gratitude journal statistically are happier than people who don't. That's crazy. All you need to do is in the morning when you wake up or right before you go to bed, write one or two short sentences about something that happened, something that you have, something that you are, something that somebody else in your life brings to the table something that you are thankful for and it's going to literally change your mindset and it's crazy how this works it seems too simple to be true but all the studies bear that out they're all consistently saying that keeping a gratitude journal even the most simple basic one is going to help you i want you to feed yourself food I'm talking about food here i want you to feed yourself with the same care and concern that you feed your child Adequate nutrition is essential. Your body, like I said, is not going to stay healthy if you neglect it. You need adequate nutrition. You need to think about avoiding the garbage that is everywhere in society. Processed foods, fast food, sugary foods, garbage, right? Like lean protein, vegetables, fruit. We need to think about these things and make them, again, intentional in our lives. We need to feed ourselves the way that we feed our children with that same kind of care and concern. 
you are, I, I know you. I know you are not the person who's feeding your child chicken nuggets every day and calling it a meal. No, you're figuring out how to get more vegetables into that kid. You're trying to figure out how to get them to uh, drink water instead of whatever sugar crap they're wanting to get in. You, I know that you are avoiding those stupid fruit gusher roll-ups because they're going to destroy the teeth that they hate to brush, right? Like, I know you. I am you. You need to take as good of care of yourself when it comes to nutrition as you do for your children. Again, that has to be intentional. You need to cut up some fruit at the beginning of the day. You need to wash some vegetables. You need to buy some delicious low, you know, like simple uh, whole food dip to dip some vegetables in. Like plan the shit out, take care of yourself. Stop shoving crap in your mouth just because it's left over on somebody's plate or because you're cooking, uh, you know, junk. Plan regular social events. This is another thing. Obviously, it's really hard to fit into your day. I know you guys are busy, but even meeting your friend for a coffee or a walk or maybe a walk with a coffee in your hand. Personally, that's one of my favorite things. You need to nourish those friendships because those friendships need to be nourished. You need to spend time with your friends. I talked in an earlier episode about having healthy friendships and how that's going to help your child to develop better social skills and to someday have healthy friendships of their own. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead back and take a listen. But regular time with your friends is super important. One of the best ways to decrease stress simply because it decreases our stress hormones and it, uh, it increases our energy, it improves brain health, it improves mood symptoms, it improves memory. Who couldn't use a little bit better memory these days? Um, you know what I'm going to say. I know you do. It's exercise. Exercise. It doesn't have to be crazy. You don't need to be like, you know, powerlifting or anything. But, you know, taking a walk. You just have to figure out how to fit 10, 15, 20, hopefully 30 minutes of exercise into your day. And walking really is one of the best exercises. It's good for you in all kinds of ways. And if you do walk outside in nature, that's going to improve things all the more. I was listening to a podcast recently. Actually, it was on two podcasts recently. It was on, um, I think, Huberman Lab and also on Mel Robbins. And she, they, both of those podcasts talked about how the benefits of having uh, sunlight in your eyeballs, <laughs> sunlight coming into your eyes early in the morning or first thing in the morning as you're starting your day. It's going to increase your dopamine production. And I don't know if you know, but dopamine is like our feel-good chemical, right? Like it helps us feel happy and satisfied in life. And just walking outside for 10 minutes in the morning and letting that morning sunlight into your eyes, even on a cloudy day, is going to boost dopamine production for the rest of your day. Crazy, right? Like it's crazy. Taking a walk in the morning in the sunshine, that's exercise. Lifting some weights doing some squats. You know what I like to do? There's these really, um, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, but I find them really annoying. There's these walking videos on YouTube. So they talk and they play this weird music, but I just mute them. And then I will walk around my living room doing these, you know, walking things in between whatever tasks I'm doing. Like if I have 20 minutes or whatever, 
and the weather's not great. I'll do that in my living room. But you know, exercise. Figure out how to fit it into your life because truly your body needs it, your brain needs it, your emotional health need it. You need exercise. Figure out how to get it. And again, schedule it into your day. Schedule it into your calendar three days a week. You know what else is a really good way to motivate yourself to exercise is to get an exercise buddy. I exercise most of the time with my daughter because she is just a spitfire. She gets me motivated like nobody else. And not only does she do that, but she sort of shames me when I try to bail on her. So that really helps. Um, so find yourself an exercise buddy. The next thing that I'm going to talk about for self-care is another thing that you guys are going to be like, oh God, I don't want to do that. But psychotherapy. Because, you know, when we are in the situation that we're in raising a child or having a child with autism, there's a lot of problems that sort of persist, right? Like, we do not want to be dumping this stuff on our friends. And quite frankly, our friends do not want to hear it. They have heard it a hundred times already, and they are just not interested. It's not good for your friendship. It's not fair to your friend, honestly. So find a psychotherapist. Like, you need somebody who is paid to listen to your shit again and again and again until it changes or, you know, you can accept it or whatever happens. But you need somebody who's not in your life, right? Because, like I said, there are some things that you don't want to tell or talk about or just harp on with people that you care about. So find a psychotherapist. They're gonna help you by providing a neutral party for you to talk to. Somebody that you don't have to feel guilty dumping, quote, you know, dumping on. Um, but they're also going to help you reframe things and they're gonna teach you skills to deal with these things better, with the struggles that you have. So it's worth doing. Now, I know it's hard to find a psychotherapist, but if you're looking, there are websites like Psychology Today that has a lot of resources on there. Uh, therapists advertise and they often list what insurances they take and things like that. You can also go onto your insurance's website and to see who's on the panel for your specific insurance. Word of mouth is a really great way to find a therapist. And honestly, with the therapists being so busy like they are today, if you have a friend who has a great therapist or you know somebody who has a great therapist, like ask them to hook you up because honestly, like getting a referral from a patient that you like, you're much more likely as a provider to take that, that patient on as opposed to just a cold call because think about it from a therapist's perspective. If you have two patients who need a therapist and one of them you don't know from Adam, they just happen to call your phone. And the other one is referred by somebody that you really like and that you have a relationship that you're working with. Which patient do you think they're going to take? Yes, this is the way the world works, unfortunately. It's not fair. But for you to know that is really valuable. So, you know, try to find a therapist through word of mouth if the other ways are not successful for you. Another way to get support is a support group. And the benefit of that is that you're going to be in a room with people who understand exactly what you're going through and who get you in ways that other people won't right like if you are not raising a child with autism if you do not have a child with autism in your life you really cannot fathom the kind of stress that is going on in your household at times right people who don't know don't know 
and there are things that I don't know and I don't even know that I don't know them. And so these words I'm saying, I hope you get what I mean. Because, you know, I'm trying not to like put blame or shame on anybody because truly people in my life who see situations make, you know, judgmental comments maybe irritating to me because they're talking out of their ass and they don't know anything. But at the same time, like, they really don't know anything. You know, I can't expect them to understand what I'm going through or what my life is like. They don't know. But going to a support group where people do know, oh my God, that is valuable. I recently went to an online support group. And the things that people were saying about their adult autistic children, I was like mind blown because to think that other people in the world are struggling with the exact same things that we're struggling with in our family, I was like, holy shit, like it's not just me. It's not because I'm a terrible parent or like I am totally clueless. <laughs> it's not because I like am not doing the right thing. It's because they have autism. It's because these are the things that they struggle with. It's because it's a thing. It's a diagnosis that comes with medical symptoms and signs that are consistent across the population. So a support group can be really helpful and really validating. Another thing that you can do for self-care, again, like I talked about, is mindfulness. And mindfulness is often associated with um, meditation, but it's not only that. Mindfulness can be done in so many ways, right? Like you can do just simple breathing exercises. Honestly, like just stopping what you're doing, taking a deep breath and feeling it in your body. You just were mindful. It means nothing except paying attention, being mindful, paying attention, not doing things mindlessly, which is how we often go through our lives today because we're so stressed. You deserve to be present in your life. You don't want to be 90 years old and laying on your deathbed and not remembering the details of this wonderful experience. Because even though it's hard, there are moments of joy that you do not want to miss. So pay attention. Be mindful. There are so many resources on mindfulness. If you're listening to podcasts, this podcast, I imagine that you know about other podcasts. There's all kinds of podcasts out there about mindfulness. There are so many simple ways to be mindful. I think there's a book called Mindfulness for Dummies, right? Like, check it out. Look into it. It's going to be really helpful. It's going to change your life if you can spend some time learning about it. Self-care can look like sometimes things that you do when you find yourself having an unexpected bit of time, right? Like, sometimes you just find yourself like with a half an hour or an hour free, which is like, hallelujah. But what do you do? Like, you, you know, if you're not careful, that hour goes by super quick and you've done nothing good, right? Like I know I can open up Instagram sometimes and scroll and scroll and scroll. And, you know, I try to follow positive things and I try to make it be a good experience on Instagram, but it's still a time suck. And I would have much rather have taken a walk or read a book, or written in my journal, or meditated, right? Like those are the things that are gonna fill me up, and yet I waste it. And so I want you to be paying attention and looking out for those pockets of time where you didn't expect to have time and you find it. 
but instead of just wasting it, I want you to be intentional about how you spend it in a way that's going to feed your soul, in a way that's going to help you relax and recharge yourself. Another self-care thing that is also another one of my favorites, this is the one I stick to most consistently because it's the easiest, is I listen to motivational self-help uh, books or sometimes I listen to just audiobooks like novels in the morning when I'm getting ready. And you know, I, I something's wrong with me because I hate to waste time. I feel like if I'm wasting time, I'm being bad. Right, and I'm sure there's some deep-seated psychological problem that I have, but I think a lot of us suffer with this problem. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of things that I want to learn and, and experience and know. And so listening to something in the morning as I'm getting ready, it really, I find it to be like really uplifting and helpful and it brings a lot to my world. So if you're looking for some motivational podcasts, to listen to in the morning. Um, Mel Robbins is amazing. The Mel Robbins podcast. Um, Kathy Heller, the Kathy Heller podcast. That one I find really inspirational. Um, what else do I listen to? I've been listening to a lot of autism podcasts, but that doesn't relax me so much, so I don't like that. So if you can find something inspirational or motivating, uh, or even like comedic, you know, like something that's going to make you laugh. Uh, these are the things that are going to start your day in a great way. Um, for me also, like getting into a good novel on uh, audio, like I love to say book on tape, but obviously that's not a thing anymore. But uh, audiobooks, like if you can get a good novel on audiobook, it's so much fun. It's, it's, I don't know, I love it. Maybe you'll like it too. Check it out. Audible is a wonderful resource, but also your library. If you have a library card, and if you don't have a library card, get your ass down there because they're free, obviously. But um, your library card, if there are, your each library uses an app. A lot of them use the same app, like Libby uh, is one of them or Overdrive is another. But each library has an app that they use and on the app are probably thousands of audiobooks and you check them out just like a library book. So you, um, you know, pick the book you want and then you download it, you check it out, you download it, and then it disappears in like two weeks or whatever length of time your library allows. And so that's a great way to get free audiobooks and that I do all the time and I love that. So use your library. It's free. You pay taxes, don't you? Take a class. I used to do this all the time. Actually, this is how I finished my education. And maybe I finished my education because I was trying to get some time for myself. <laughs> I don't know, but I love taking classes. And so if you can think about a class, maybe you wanna finish your education. Maybe you wanna learn a new skill. Maybe you wanna speak a different language. Maybe you wanna take an art class. Think about what you wanna learn and explore where that's available. Um, your local community college is a great place, but also there are um, continuing education classes through the local high school. Um, sometimes the libraries run programs. Can you tell that I'm a big library fan? But consider taking a class. And when you consider taking a class, don't take one that's online that you're going to take in your living room while everybody's milling around you asking you where their socks are, right? Like, Get you away from the daily routine. Take a class where you have to get out of your house. Go somewhere. Um, 
because you know what? Everybody will be fine. They'll still be there in one piece when you get home, I promise. Get out of your house, take a class, learn something new. Again, this goes back to the identity piece because when you are out in the world taking a class, you are showing up as you. You are showing up as a human being and not as somebody's mother or somebody's wife or, you know, somebody's caregiver. And that's a really important thing. Because when you lose your identity, like I said, like everything around you becomes gray and tinted in a way that makes you wonder like who's to blame, what's to blame. Because it's hard to see that like that sort of loss of identity is within yourself. I don't know if you're getting me right now, but I want you to do things that make you feel like yourself, if that clears it up a little. Um, another idea for self-care is to ask people for help. <laughs> you know, help. Remember that you don't have to do everything. It's okay to ask other people to help you and to do some of the caretaking tasks. I know. Nobody does it quite like you. Nobody knows the details quite like you do. But again, it's okay. It'll be fine. Let's go on to that second part where I talked about, you know, like self-care as a way to uh, manage the stress that we have is a wonderful thing and all those things hopefully gave you some ideas. But another way to approach this is by minimizing stress from the get-go. You know, like let's eliminate it rather than react to it. So how can you do that? Well, the first thing that you can do is stop saying yes to things you want to say no to. You know, when the PTA asks you to bake some cookies, tell them no, thank you, right? Or go down to the store and buy some because those kids don't know the difference between store-bought and homemade anyway. <laughs> in general, right? Like they will shove anything with sugar in their face and not think twice about it. So, you know, say no. If somebody invites you to an event that you don't want to go to, say no. If somebody wants you to volunteer at church, if it's your turn, this is a thing that used to get me. I used to go to church when my kids were young. Uh, I do not anymore, which is a whole nother long story, but I was very dedicated to the church. And the church would always ask the women, I don't know why it was just the women, but it was always the women uh, to man the nursery. And nursery is a wonderful thing because it allows mother to pay attention and enjoy the experience of being in this environment, right? But... They want you to do nursery. Like, no, I need a break. I need to go to church and leave my kid in nursery. So I did many years of nursery that I did not want to do until I learned to say no. So if there are things in your life that you are saying yes to that you do not want to do, stop it. You do not have to do them. Say no. Create boundaries. Extra commitments that you don't have time for just add more pressure and more stress. And so when you're asked to do something, just say no. You don't need a good reason. You just need to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or no, thank you. Or maybe next time, right? Like any of it, it doesn't matter. People are going to be maybe irritated at you, but that does not matter because what matters is you and your family. And what matters is you showing up as your best self for your family. Because at the end of the day, those people don't know you, they do not care. 
Stop putting others above yourself. Another way to minimize stress is to take a break from social media. And you guys all know how negative and how much of a time suck and how little social media actually adds to your well-being. Social media is designed to be addictive. And in theory, social media is a wonderful thing. I thoroughly enjoy it sometimes. But I'm the first one to admit that it once I open that app, it sucks me in. Take a break. You know, back when things were very politically charged and Facebook in particular became a very negative place, every time I opened it up, I just left feeling all kinds of yucky. And I just, it would make me so angry. It just constantly riled me up and it made me dislike people that I cared about. And after a while, I just could not deal with it anymore. And so I tried to get off of it. I tried and I tried, but I was just addicted to it. And so here's what I did. Maybe it'll work for you. I asked my daughter, who again, can be brutal, <laughs> but I asked her to change the password for me and not tell me what it was. And because I didn't want, there were so many times where I wanted to ask her what the password was just so I could check something or just so I could spend a few minutes on it. Um, but I knew that she was going to give me that look and, you know, I knew that she was going to judge me <laughs> or, um, you know, I don't know what I thought. She probably wouldn't have done any of those things, but I just was kind of ashamed to ask because I had told her that I didn't want to be on it. So she was holding me accountable in a sense. So, you know, ask somebody to change your password, somebody that you trust, change the password. Simple as that. You can't get into it. After a while, you won't even try. It's like any other addiction. You just need to take a break from it. You can go back to it. I'm not saying do it forever, but take a break. Look at the things that stress you out. Like think about the apps, the social medias that you're using and just think about like, are they bringing good things into your life? If so, keep at it, go to town, you know? But if they're not, if you're like me and it sort of leaves you feeling gross, take a break. And if you take a break, you're gonna find that you have a lot of extra time because you know as well as I do that when you open those apps, they are designed to be addictive. And you may intend to spend just a few minutes, but you could be on there for like an hour or more. <laughs> Not that I ever do that, mind you. So use that time wisely. Do some things that feed your soul. Again, things that relax you, things that bring you joy, things that help you feel satisfied. Another thing that you can do to minimize stress, and this is a big one, is to stay organized. When you're organized, you're not going to be rushing at the last minute because you forgot an appointment. You're not going to be double booking yourself. You're not going to be, you know, procrastinating and being, uh, you know, stressed out because you're on a deadline. Um, being organized also, like, organizing yourself, particularly when you do it in some sort of concrete fashion, like a calendar, it's going to help your mind feel more at ease because your mind is always looking for trouble, right? Like it's always looking for where are the things that are going to cause trouble. And if your mind doesn't have a 
complete picture of what the schedule looks like, it's always feeling like it forgot something or it needs to remember something. So do yourself a favor, get organized, get some kind of a calendar, put it on your wall, uh, you know, get a little book and uh, keep it in your bag, even on your computer or your phone, if you're diligent about it, it can be really helpful. And review your calendar every day. You know, look at it in the morning, look at it at night, make it part of your routine. That's gonna help your mind relax. Another thing I want you to think about when it comes to minimizing stress is to stop doing shit that doesn't need to be done. Because I know a lot of you are keeping house like uh, the queen is coming to tea. Well, <laughs> she's not. And anybody who does come to tea, if they care that your floor is not perfectly clean, you don't want them drinking tea at your house anyway. So think about the things that you're spending time doing. Do they really need to be done? Do they really make your life easier or bring you some kind of peace? Are your expectations realistic? Is it realistic that if you have, you know, young children in your house, that your house is going to be perfectly clean and put together all the time? Heck no, that is not realistic. That's ridiculous. Is it realistic that you're always going to be totally put together with your hair and makeup done? Uh, no, because you have children, you have jobs, you have uh, families, you have lives. It's unrealistic. So stop doing shit that doesn't need to be done. There are a lot of things in your house that you can really let go a little bit of as you're raising your children with autism. Sometimes though, there are things that need to be done. The dishes need to be cleaned, the kitchen needs to be kept together. You know, nobody wants rodents or bugs, right? So. There are things that need to be done in the house. The laundry needs to get washed. Delegate. Everybody in your house of a certain age can be taught how to run a load of laundry, how to put the dishes in the dishwasher. Are they going to do it to your liking, to your specifications, as good as you do it? No, probably not. Does that matter? No, probably not. So delegate. Let other people do some shit for a change. So. In conclusion, if you've listened to me ramble for this long, I'm going to wrap it up for you. Self-care is a practice. It requires time and commitment. Self-care is going to be about trial and error. There are things that I have tried when it comes to self-care that I have absolutely hated. There are things that I do now that I hated in the past and vice versa, right? Like it is trial and error and it is always evolving. So try not to get locked into any things. Try not to get locked into a place where, you know, you become rigid in your thinking. Self-care requires forethought and planning. It's not going to happen accidentally or coincidentally. You have to plan that stuff out. So if you are looking for some resources, um, I've pulled together a few websites that I think have a lot of good information on them and resources. And one of them is Autism Speaks, which is autismspeaks.org. They have a resource guide. Um, they have a lot of programs actually throughout the country. So autismspeaks.org. You can find support groups through the autismproject.org or through aane.org, which is the Asperger Autism Network. They both have online support groups throughout the country. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the states have health department websites with information about autism on there. 
the National Autism Society, obviously nationalautismsociety.org. That does have a lot of resources as well. So those are just a couple of places you might want to start looking if you're looking for resources. So those are a few resources for you to check out online if you're looking for support. Remember, you are valuable, not only as a caregiver or as your child's advocate, but as a human. Be yourself, allow yourself to be valuable. You matter. Stop putting yourself last because honestly, sacrificing yourself isn't helping anyone. So stop it. You can do it, I promise. You can engage in self-care even if it seems impossible. Everyone will be okay if you step away. And you as a caregiver will be much better. If you bring your best self into your caregiver role, you are gonna raise much healthier kids. And I know that's your goal. I know it is. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found something good. I'm so tired of saying that. I hope you found something valuable. But again, that is my goal, to bring you some value and to just um, you know, help you do a better job of taking care of your child. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. It's so much fun hanging out with you guys. Do me a favor, check out Instagram, atypical underscore parenting. It's where I hang out the most. It's the only platform social media wise that I'm on these days. Um, I often think about doing more, but I just don't have the emotional energy for that. See, I'm setting a boundary. So, uh, but I would love to hear from you. I would love to uh, have you comment or um, send me a message. That would be amazing. And I hope that some of the things I said really are gonna rattle around in your head because you know, you deserve to be taken care of. You deserve to take care of yourself. I don't always give good advice, but on this, I am spot on. Have a wonderful week, guys. Mm-hmm.